Mike, turn your games down. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Top 10 episode of Games My Mom Found. Man, I haven't said that in over a year. <laughs> so we are bringing back a Top 10 episode. I know it's been a while, but we're going to bring them back again. I can't say it'll be often, but you will have them more than once a year. I can say that. At least I hope I'm right on that. And who is with me tonight? Uh, hi, I'm Blake Anglin, and uh, before we get started on this podcast celebrating our favorite women in gaming, I just wanted to acknowledge, uh, in light of the indefensible decision the Supreme Court made uh, this week, that please get involved, people, in your local and state politics. We have to protect women's rights. It is now more important than ever. The irony of when I put, I, that I had this record, that we're doing this recording the day after that all that bullshit happened. Kind of interesting to me. Because it's been planned for months. Or over a month. So, uh, fucking country. All right, and who else is with me? Hey, guys, I'm Alyssa. Welcome back. Thank you. And where can people find you at, Alyssa? I am on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Alyssa Billy. And you do further art. Yes. Right. And our last guest. Hello, this is Richard Sampson from such fun episodes as the Tomb Raider episodes and recently the Legend of Zelda episode. But I also have a YouTube channel, Rich Kale. Where I play through a bunch of games, read through some stuff I've written over the years, and I have fiction placed up on sites like fanfiction.net, Archive of Our Own, and Comic Vine. And this episode is probably coming out August 3rd, just to put that out there. Hopefully, maybe things are better in this country by August 3rd, but I, I don't believe it. Don't hold your breath, folks. I, I'm not. <laughs> just don't just... tempt fate by saying anything that makes fate hold, say, hold my beer. I don't think fate is listening to this podcast. You know, fate will be talked about in episode 200, but it will be a creature, a robot type fate is what fate is in that, in that episode. So, Chrono Cross. Spoilers. <laughs> and nah. warn people that there may be spoilers in this episode, too. Oh, yeah. So what we're doing is, as Blake had kind of mentioned, we're talking about our top 10 female characters in gaming, either a playable character or an NPC, just someone that meant a lot to you and why and what game they're from and that we're going to be talking about in this episode. Uh, there might be spoilers for some game, but we'll try to keep it light, depending on what we have. But or we'll warn, and I, I can do little warn. Well, I'll warn if we get something that's spoilery. But so, and you will know the game ahead of time before we start spoiling. So you can always skip ahead a few minutes or so if you need to. Well, then again, that too. But of course, like with some of us that are up there in years. Let's face it: if you know these characters, and the game is at least before two thousand. It's already <laughs> been spoiled. I mean, fair game. there's I mean, hey, I, I, I make this joke before in the show and I'll make it again. There was always that guy out there who complained when I spoiled Final Fantasy four like a year <laughs> or two ago. I want to say it was during covid about Parliament prom becoming stone statues. And I and I spoiled it for him. Final Fantasy four came out in the 90s. So he'd been living under a rock. I mean, it's fine. Like, I mean, there are games where I had I didn't know anything going into them. and was not spoiled when I played them, but. I, you can't be upset when something's spoiled for you that's over 20 years old. You, you just can't. <laughs> so, yeah, and there's some things yeah, that even that if one. you know it's coming, it's still going to smack you like a, a, a lead bucket. Yeah, there's been a few games that I was completely unaware of going into it when, that I played for the show. I can't remember offhand, but I know it's happened a few times, and it's always interesting to me. So we're gonna. So I'm going to start with my number 10. I can't do the Way Player One podcast, does it? <laughs> they do it in Spanish. <laughs> My number 10 is Miriam from Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, which I played on PC. One, because I just, I think the character just looks fucking awesome. 
I mean, I just I love that game, and I know she doesn't get a whole bunch of story, but just the fact of what she's going through that she possesses like a freaking like demon demonic powers and is trying to save the world, even though the world pretty much tried to kill her and things. It just I just really like that character. I love that game, and that's my number ten. I don't think I don't I don't have anything else to say about Miriam. I don't have any other reason other than I played Bloodstained recently, and she was awesome. So. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a good game, although nothing sticks out to me that I can recall, honestly, about her characterization. But it's been a while since I've played it, so. It's a good game. Oh, yeah, you were almost it's on the episode then, Life. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, great game. I really like it. A lot. It's probably, it's up there, one of my favorite Metrovanias, I will say. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic title. What, is there anything specific about her story that you know, like, speaks to you? Is it just, is it just the game around? I think it's just, or, it's just the game. I need a number ten. <laughs> that was part of it, and yeah. I just liked her. I mean, there's a little bit of the cheesecake factor, as Cody Laveau would say if he was here. But <laughs> there's a little bit of that. But it's just, I just like the character a lot, and I and she was cool to me. I mean, just every, I like the way that she grows throughout the game. I feel too, and I just love that game. So I thought Cody's thing was butts. It is, but there's also a cheesecake factor of it, too, I think. Well, I mean, uh, I know of the cheesecake factor, and I tried to keep that at the minimum in my choices. It came out when we did um, Bloodstain also. I know that with Carrie. He mentioned <laughs> something about because that game does have some cheesecake factor to it with some of her costumes. Mm. So he made Fan comments service. about that. Yeah, I still love that game, though. So, What about you, Alyssa? My number 10 is Princess Peach. <laughs> She's my number 10 because, like, you know, I mean, I like her, but, you know, you... Obviously, you can't really play her in many games, but she does have her own game on the DS, and it's pretty fun. You know, she has like little, she has her umbrella, and she she can like cry on things, and she could be angry, and she could be happy. But I actually really like her in the Paper Mario games because you can play her because there's little cutscenes where she's usually with like one of the like side characters, and she's like you know obviously trapped by Bowser and stuff like that, but. I don't know, her dialogue is pretty fun, and, like, I don't know, I really like the Paper Mario games because they show a different side of her. So, that's why she's my number 10. How okay. how many of those Paper Mario games is she playable in? I've only ever played Ma- Paper Mario, the first one. Um, I know the... Oh, I'm trying to think here. Oh, no. <laughs> um, Which... Okay, because on the GameCube... Thousand Year Door. Yeah, Thousand Year Door, you can play as her, I believe. And then... The newer one, you cannot. Not the Origami King. Super Sticker Star? I haven't played that one. The Color Splash one, you can play as her on there. That's what we Okay. The only reason I knew that was the Wii one, because I worked (laughs) at a printing company when we made those displays for that Paper Mario. The only reason I knew that. Unfortunately, I don't have any of those displays anymore. I did have stars for Mario Party, but they're all gone at this point. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the N64 one, if she's playable on there or not. Uh, Yes, Um, she can be played in certain, like, interlude segments. I do know that. I Like I said, that was the only one I've ever played. It's the only one I ever completed. And sadly, the day I completed, it pretty much destroyed the series for me. Okay. Oh, no, I really like the Paper Mario series. Well, it's it's nothing to do with the games. The games are terrific. I can tell that. I love the music from the first one. It's just that I finished it in 2001 on a rather bad Tuesday in September. Oh. Yeah. Ominous. That makes sense. Yeah. What about you, Richard? What's your number 10? 
Oh, I gotta see my number 10. I got like a whole a list of characters and they each have a reason. And to be honest, I couldn't necessarily pick one that I have to pick one at random. And I'm going to go with Alexandra Royvis from Eternal Darkness. Oh, now she's got a tragic backstory. Her characteristic traits are pretty much even for your stats wise. And she is, I guess you could say she falls in the final girl syndrome, but let's face it. You deal with, she deals with a lot of crazy shit, a lot yeah. of messed up. What are you shit. talking about? Seeing yourself in a bathtub with your wrist slit and a pool full of blood when you're hallucinating. is not as, as freaky. What are you talking about? Huh? <laughs> Strange. Hey, I've also played out last Mike. I played out last. <laughs> I have not. And I don't ever want to. Somebody will put on the show now. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> I control what goes on the show, so hey. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she's she's a very tough character. She's a very strong character. And yes, we've got the uh, voice factor of Jennifer Hale in there, too. But she is a very excellent character. She really is, not that... Oh, God, that game is fucked up. So good, but fucked up. I should well, play it again. Uh, I, I don't ever... That game's... Okay, when I... like It's been on the show but I'm, since it's been a couple years. That was when I first bought my house, and I was playing that game in the dark and it was just mm, was not a good <laughs> and i wasn't that. used to living in a house i was used to apartments so i'm used to you know one floor one door two rooms not freaking two different exits three floors i was not used to anything like owning a house and nope did not did not go well <laughs> well imagine how well it would have gone if you had been playing the, playing it on the actual hardware too that would have been even freakier i, I own yeah, a because they they designed it to to mess with the hardware too so <laughs> game good game though really good game yes. blake what about you for number 10 okay so i really struggled I, I i ended up with a short list of 23 people that i methodically and painfully whittled down peach <laughs> didn't make my list but uh, she made my short list but not my final one but i did want to touch her excellent super smash bros character and totally oh, underrated super mario 2 protagonist so and 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 guys super mario rpg totally op party member so i think we, i know we gotta get some going. to beach so i actually randomized my final 10 i couldn't <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so you might not but i'm doing I it right up, as we do it so <laughs> yeah, mine's mine's random and uh so of course like my my total hunger pick uh is the first one i'm gonna be talking about i ended up with a chiaki nanami from danganronpa 2 probably not a super well-known game some of you may have played it some maybe not um, no idea what it is so Danganronpa, uh, its reputation runs ahead of its games, I swear. Yeah, uh, that's fair. So just like a brief breakdown. So Danganronpa is a series where a bunch of high school students with exceptional abilities are essentially kidnapped and forced to play like a murder game where um, one, they have to murder each other and the last one living will be set free. It's like the, the premise. Chiaki... Oh. Yeah, it's a fascinating series. Highly recommend. Um, Chiaki is the ultimate gamer in in the series, so they each have an exceptional talent. Chiaki's the best gamer in the world. Perhaps a bit of a, a Mary Sue in her characterization. She kind of exists as a is just like the the protagonist's um, kind of ideal partner. But uh, but it's a really affecting game. It has an, an accompanying anime that really fleshes her out. Essentially, she is murdered and causes her her classmates to kind of spiral into a despair that kind of kicks off the um, the entire series in ways. But she she herself 
is just uh, probably the most adorable, like anime-ish protagonist uh, character in gaming. And just uh, I don't have much to say beyond that, but just, I just love and protect Chiaki with with you know with every fiber of my being. Okay, I've never played the series. I've been tempted, but never touched it. Fantastic. Can't recommend enough. Okay. Although, yeah, there there is um. So they're they're very uh, they're like Japanese kind of um, visual novels, and so you do get some of that some of that humor or kind of um, debauchery from those doesn't always translate well. It can come off, frankly, a little pervy sometimes. Uh, That's Japanese respect. culture, though. Yeah, Danganronpa is not free from that, but it does touch on some pretty heavy things, and it's certainly worth the play, in my opinion. Okay, it's on PC. I've I've seen it before. Because I know it, a lot of you probably know it from the bear with the black and white face, yin yang on the cover. Yeah, yes, yes, Monokuma. Yep. He's sitting here next to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I know of it. Is it was it on PSP? I, uh, I, there I is a sh- there's a spinoff, Ultra Despair Girls, that is definitely on PSP. Okay. Uh, and the uh, the trilogy has been remastered a couple times, so it's it's pretty widely available at this point. Okay, I've never played it, but maybe one day. Yeah. Yeah, I keep I'd saying that, it. but there's a lot of games in that list of maybe one day. <laughs> it's, a, it's a growing list, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, that's okay. That's what the show's for. It makes me play stuff I never would have played. So, <laughs> Oh, Alyssa, what is your number nine? My number nine is Tana from Crash Bandicoot. So I like her because you can play her in Crash It's About Time, which is the newest Crash Bandicoot game. I like her because, like, in all the Crash games, like, you know, you can only play as him. But I thought it was pretty cool that you can play as other characters in this one. And I don't know. I just thought it was pretty cool because I like Crash games. And I just appreciated that they had a girl playable character in there. At first, I thought it was his sister, but it's not his sister. That's Coco, I think. Yes. I've never played much Crash. But... So wouldn't that, uh, Tana, is that, isn't that supposed to be his girlfriend or something? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Never played Crash Four. Well, I don't like Crash, so that's why. But <laughs> oh, jeez, yeah, not my not my style of game. When I was a kid, I had Crash Bandicoot Three, but that's it. I remember how we had, my wife had the uh, strategy guide for fourth bat Crash Bandicoot game. I think something about Which is... Vortex or something like that. I can't think of the exact name right now. Okay, I I forget all about the ones that came off for PS2 after it wasn't Naughty Dog anymore making them. I cannot remember. So yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> uh, Richard, what is your number nine? Okay, number nine. Like I said, I'm doing these at random. I never, I didn't even come up with a good quote ranking. So that's I'm right. just picking them at random here on my list. It's all our own choice. <laughs> Do what and, we want. Uh, this one is actually not a playable character, and that is Elaine Marley from the Monkey Island franchise. I mean, she is brave. She is fierce. She is already thinking things through of how to get out of any situation. She is a very diplomatic governor figure, which is very ironic amongst a bunch of pirates. And eventually she and the series protagonist, Guybrush, do get married. In fact, she said in in the last game that was released prior to if the new game is released by the time this by the time this is out, uh, she said in tale in the last episode of Tales Tales of or Tales from Monkey Island, she says one thing I can always count on is that I can have a plan and that my guy brush will be there in the end. 
I mean, let's face it, he's he's ready to do the right thing, and she's almost through it. <laughs> At the end of the first game, she's like, I escaped a while ago, and that's a dummy in my place that was going to spray him with the root beer. Well, how'd you get free? Oh, I knew some of his old crewmates before they were dead. <laughs> and she's not afraid to, you know, say it like it is. Guy Brush, you're an idiot. You're a lovable idiot, but you're an idiot. <laughs> I've never played any of the Seeker Monkey Island games yet. Play the mic. You'll laugh. I mean, you don't no, get to sword fight her, but I mean, doing the sword fighting in the game is like part of it's just 90% of it's the insults. It's like you fight like a dairy maid. Now, appropriate, you fight like a cow. <laughs> One day I'm going to play it. We'll, we'll hold you to that. <laughs> you will laugh. <laughs> All right, and Blake, what is your number nine? Yeah, so, you know, I, it's funny about those. I actually find that people either have great, like, nostalgic factor for those LucasArts. <laughs> yeah, they games, do. <laughs> or they just have, have never played or touched any of them. I fall in the latter camp, unfortunately. So I don't, I don't know if we'll get to honorable mentions, and I don't want to take the wind out of anyone's sails if they have these coming up. But, but <laughs> this next character is uh, was my final ad after cutting Femship and Sinwa. So I don't know. We could maybe talk about those later. They're not on the list. But uh, this was tough is, is what it came down to. I ended up with, uh, and again, this is random, my order. I ended up with Jade from uh, Beyond Good and Evil. Hopefully the series, if the second game ever comes out. <laughs> sure it will. <laughs> but if not, I chose Jade for a few reasons. I I think maybe the toughest part of putting my list together was was kind of trying to find a, a healthy balance between like, legacy characters and like people who i thought were good characters and jade stuck out to me as as a really good mix of the two as kind of one of the more og kind of video game protagonists certainly you know even back in back in the the playstation days there there wasn't a an overwhelming number of, of female playable characters uh certainly in like adventure games and with with legit deep characterizations and she does stand in her own right, I think, as as kind of a cool character. Someone who, first off, I'm always a sucker for uh, photography in vi- like in video game photography, like Dead Rising and Bioshock and Beyond Good and Evil. That's like one of my favorite. You're missing uh, a good one right there. Uh, Pokemon Snap. Oh, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm a sucker for that mechanic in any of those games. But like, well, so Pokemon Snap, maybe that's like the central mechanic. But like, I don't even care if you shoehorn it in like Bioshock did, just like. Could just let me take photos and like reward me the character for it. Beyond Good and Evil obviously incorporates that. It's a key aspect of her personality. Um, she's like a photojournalist trying to uh, uncover corruption. She's uh, just well well acted, well written. I love the. I'm a sucker for the green motive that she has going on. So she just she perhaps more than any of the characters on my list, which really strikes that balance between like iconic and and still original enough in like the gaming timeline to, to possibly have had an impact you know on on gamers my age uh uh certainly female gamers who can have, you know kind of identified with her uh, while still while still having her own strong characterization and not just but i do understand where you're coming from i actually got the game because i did see some gameplay of it and her character does intrigue me one day i'll play it <laughs> i can't speak highly of it so have you ever played it? Yes. I don't like oh. it. Okay. I've beaten it. I just don't like it. Yeah, it's got some flaws as a as a game, but it it it's a it's we'll, we'll hope the second one can find a wider audience. Maybe let's put it that way. 
If we ever see a second one, yeah. How long if is that we supposed to come out? One. 41 years, I think, at this point. 42 <laughs> years, perhaps. Yeah. Timeline's a little wonky. <laughs> I remember working at Target, they were advertising that. And that was yeah, in 2008. I remember, I remember writing an article. It's been at least 10 years since I wrote for my last video game website. And writing an article, like, is Beyond uh, Good and Evil 2 on the horizon? And the answer was no, as it turns out. <laughs> I don't even think it's even in production anymore to be honest I think they, they scrapped that a long time ago they just don't want to say it it's a, it's vaporware but but Jade will, will live on in our hearts and on my list alright and my number 9 is one character with two names Garnet slash Dagger Final Fantasy 9 for Playstation 1 so originally this was a different character but I was talking to a friend of mine and, and they convinced me that that was not right but I was thinking more about it like Garnet changes so much in that game she changes her name midway through that game she gets her whole life question on what's going on if I remember right she's her mother isn't really even her mother like she thinks it is like everything in her world changes she cuts her hair with a dagger at one point to change it's just such a powerful scene she's such a great character that really does you know, change throughout the entire game. I haven't played Final Fantasy IX in many years, unfortunately, but it's something that's always stuck with me. So that that's my number nine is Dagger Garnet from Final Fantasy IX. That brings us to number eight. Oh, Richard, what is your number eight? Well, I just spun the wheel to pick number eight. <laughs> and this is one of two characters from the same game, which I'm going to bet that one of this is one of those two that I figured is going to be on somebody else's list as well. And as it turns out, I've got Eris Gainsbourg, or Burrow, okay. from Gainsborough, Final Fantasy yeah. VII. And let's face it, she's got one, a very complex backstory for in that game. Uh-huh. She is great healer character. And spoiler alert for those of you <laughs> who have only played, who are only playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. Fate is tragic as she does not make it through halfway through the game. My guess is she's not going to die in the remake. I, I'm with you, Mike. I don't think they're going to... Because what they... Like, the trailer they showed for the second remake, part two, has, like, completely... It looks like they're going a completely different direction. Mm, and it could be. It could be. However, part of her story is that... Um, and if you know Final Fantasy VII lore to this point, even Advent Children, which is a terrific film, very terrific film, she is part of the live stream. So she is she is lovable you i mean just with all of her stuff being being available so early in the game and my god her limit breaks so op so op i mean uh her ultimate limit break full recovery probably even bring dead characters back to life everybody is immune to every freaking attack under the sun they won't get hurt. It lasts the whole battle. Yeah, but there's a reason why it's in there. Because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't last. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't last the whole battle. It does It does fade away. Well, I mean, that and she just, you know, they give her all the good abilities because <laughs> they're going to fuck you over as the game progresses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. She is, she's, there's an innocence to her, to her character. Yeah. And there's this otherworldliness about her character, too. So it's it's she's tragic. She's beautiful. She's a very complex character. And she takes a sword through the gut. <laughs> yep, sword through the gut. But yeah, no, I figure she'll be. And I think those. though, I I think though it would be a disservice if they do that again. 
if they well not if they do it again but if they edit her story so she doesn't die i just think that they're gonna want to throw a curveball because that's such a thing that everybody's expecting that i feel like there's gonna be a curveball just because well that's also the thing i was i just replayed the part not too long ago and i knew it was coming and it still hits like a gut punch or a gut a gut sword as it were I haven't played seven in God, like over 15, 16 years. One day I'm going to do it again. I keep telling myself that I'm going to keep telling myself that too, until the day finally happens. So, hey. Yeah, but that will be my number eight. All right. And Blake, what is your number eight? So I'll just, I'm going to break my random order here just for continuity <laughs> sake. First off, I hope that my, my official, I'm just throwing it out there. It's totally off subject that they kill cloud. Zach becomes the new protagonist in place of airs. Just putting that on record. For all the aggregators <laughs> out there listening, no. So, just to uh, to kind of for a continuation here, uh, Tifa is on my list, so I might as well go ahead. We can get that over with now as well. I just love Tifa. Like, I don't, e- <laughs> I don't even know if I can really like defend it so much. With, I mean, she's a great character, even just in, in combat, like ga- specifically gameplay wise. I love how she's a little bit different. How she kind of has the backstory of uh, you know becoming a fighter. Because of the weakness she showed uh, in her and Cloud's childhood, you know she she uh, she couldn't protect her family and she couldn't protect Cloud and uh, she couldn't protect her town. So she, um, you know, she strives to become a, a a fighter and she does. And how that's kind of reflected in her her limit breaks, how they're a little different than everyone else, and you know how she kind of uh, takes on that role of a uh, of protector and then kind of de facto, of course, love interest and. Um, Kind of secondary protagonist of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, Tifa's just a just a just just an amazing character, and of course, one of the most uh, you know generally beloved for uh, for both legitimate and creepy reasons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. I like to I like to think mine are more the first camp, but uh but uh but Tifa I think is is probably would probably find herself on on the majority of people who would make like a top ten. Yes. list of you know yeah i, I figured she gaming. would be on i figured she'd be on somebody's list she is like of the female characters that are out there in gaming she is one of the top ones to pick absolutely and i love the fact that she was she's a great fighter character a monk type character if we go by the yeah, uh, role play terms i love that her limit breaks stack love it She's I, always my go-to. Oh yeah, I mean, I was like, I was just, I recorded a bit of gameplay for it earlier today, and I swear, I was against this one creature, and I'm like, all five of her limit breaks were doing like a thousand, uh, between a thousand to two thousand damage, and this thing was still freaking standing. I'm like, but it was like cool to see all those limit breaks being done. I don't She's remember like, anything about her in the in seven. Yeah, she has the slot reel. So her limit break essentially every other character, you know, they have there's four levels of limit breaks. Each level except yeah. the fourth has two limits. Hers essentially stack. So for each one you get, instead of just a new attack, it just stacks on top of the previous one. So by the end, she has an eight hit combo, assuming you can hit your kind of slot reels. It's just uh it's just kind of a unique mechanic in there. Yeah, okay. it's a lovely mechanic. And I will say that yes, there is a lot of fan art up for her out there. <laughs> But I think one of the best ones I've ever seen, it actually showed the scar that Sephiroth inflicted on her. Oh, that's that's cool. Yeah, I, that was I mean, it goes sort of like right through her. But it's something that a lot of people don't even think about. 
And I think that's I why I remember. like that image. Well, it was in that backstory that Cloud told when he was in Calm. Right. And then we find out that that was actually <laughs> Zack in his, in his place. Spoiler! Yeah. But, you know. Okay. Thank you, Blake, because now I took her, took her off my list. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like a natural progression here. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay. I'll mention my number eight. My number eight is Laura Croft from the Tomb Raider reboot. So Tomb Raider 20, I only played the 2013 one in Rise of Tomb Raider. But the way that her character grows in those games is just amazing. And how they don't play her for the very sexy type. They, I mean, she still is very attractive, but they're not playing it for that. They're, and, and the way that she grows from having to do her first murder and, and being faced with all this chaos that happens to her in that game, it is something else. And I just love the way that she grows in, in those two games. I mean, I loved Rise of the Tomb Raider. I loved... Tomb Raider 2013, near those other previous episodes, but it was just there's something about that character that's just so good. I have to put out there. I think Laura Croft in all of the timelines can be generally lumped in because all the timelines keep certain factors the same, and some change certain factors. She's always been into archaeology in all the timelines. She's always had to deal with loss in all the timelines, even in the movies. She's always had to basically build herself up. And the beautiful thing about the Survivor timeline is you really see that happen as the, ga- as the story of the games progress. Every other, fran- every other re- system, you get it from the point on, after the event or seeing an event. I mean, in the first series, you never saw the event, but it's in her backstory. And in the second, in the anniversary, you see that her parents were archaeologists, and that ties in deeper, that they took her on digs, and of course she had to witness her mother, quote, dying, which is traumatic. So, Alyssa, what is your number eight? My number eight is from Star Fox Adventures. I chose Crystal. You could play her in the beginning for a while, and basically the whole game is, well, not the whole game, but, you know, Fox is trying to save the planet when he's also trying to save her but i like that you could play her in the beginning i like that she was trying to defend you know like the planet and stuff and she just i don't know she held her own and it was really nice that you could play her because usually you know she's not i don't think she's in the other star fox games that's like the first one that she's really like you know you she's play. in assault which is yeah. the one right after that yes but in this one you can uh that's like the first time you can really play as her and see her and I just love that game a lot. That game is, so I just I had to put that in there. Oh, well, it's a good game. Oh, should I really say that? Okay, I I, I think I, I can't remember what I said about assault. Go listen to my whole controversial take from Mike here. I think I liked um. No, assault was okay. I think I liked Dino Adventure for the most part. You know, maybe yeah. angry. I think I did like it though. You loved wasn't it. Wasn't wasn't Crystal supposed to originally be the main character of that game and then the yeah. Star Fox game? She was. <laughs> they changed that. All right, and that brings us to our number seven. Uh, Blake, what is your number seven? So I'll go a little off script again here. Just uh, Laura Croft was on my list for for many of the same reasons, you know. Obviously, another one of the kind of early, like, I think Laura Croft stands out to me in, in, in even, even when compared against, like, some of the other female characters, which I'm sure we'll get into soon, some of the more iconic ones. But yes. of being, of being, 
of having a, a you know an actual characterization, but also being like extremely competent. And this, I think, is is kind of a a, a key strand between the old games and the new games. Uh, even in the newer ones, you know, you have a, a younger Lara who's obviously like kind of emotionally scarred and traumatized by the that's things that's like. going on. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Uh, the the growth there, but but one of the the kind of through lines of her character, and this this is extremely clear in the original. Um, and I, I have fond memories myself. My mom was never a gamer, but she played through the original Tomb Raider, and I was just like in awe that like I, I was still playing Mario, you know, and she was doing this. And I was like, this is crazy. And it's the only game that I can literally ever remember her playing. But the kind of through line of Lara Croft's just competency as a character. She was not a, a damsel in distress. She did not need rescuing. She was um, she was taking care of things. And even the new character, while traumatized, still this is this is like a young woman uh, st- stranded on an island, you know, and uh, just like making it even even through this kind of like very real and visceral emotional trauma. And also the uh, the best selling video game heroine. In the world, according to the Guinness World Record. So, like, Guinness World Record holder, Laura Croft, uh, I think, has to has to be in at least strong consideration for every list. And it was a pretty easy inclusion on mine. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's part of why I was keep trying to keep her off my list. <laughs> yeah, you knew we were all going to do it. Yeah. Oh, Alyssa. Oh, yeah, these guys are classic seven. sometimes. Okay. Um, Alyssa, what number is your number seven? So, okay, I, I put this on here for, in honor of my friend, uh, Chelsea, I put Jill Valentine. Have you even played those games? Master of Unlocking? Herself? <laughs> <sighs> um, I haven't even played those games, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, you know, I've watched people play the games, they seem pretty cool. I will eventually, you know, get around to playing them. But she seems like a pretty, like, badass character, so I was like, alright, I'll put her on. So, that's why she's number seven, though. <laughs> okay. I wonder if Chelsea will even listen to this one. She probably will because I told her I would put her on for her. <laughs> <laughs> I do love Jill Valentine, too. Oh, and I'm assuming you mentioned the one from, well, since you didn't play it. I mean, we'll say you meant the first game, the remake. Because that's sure. <laughs> <laughs> kind of where she's inter- introduced for the first that, time. Or that is, is that the only game, game where Jill's actually playable? No. Uh, I know she shows up in, it's not, she shows up in five, I, I know. She's playable can... in Resident Evil 3, Nemesis. Yes, she's also in oh, Umbrella... God, of course. Jesus Christ, yeah. Umbrella Chronicles, she's playable. Revelations 1, she's playable. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, Jesus. Five DLC, <laughs> she's playable. It's like a Mercenaries-type deal, or... Uh, no, she's a... in DLC. Oh, There's cool. a little okay. story for her in 5 DLC, where she's oh, trying get to those, escape. Get those royalty checks, Jill. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now I'll say my number seven. Uh, my number seven is Elizabeth from Bioshock Infinite. The only good thing about that game. So, <laughs> don't turn me off playing it now, Mike. <laughs> no, no, you should play it. You, everyone should play it once. But there are issues with that game that I went for almost three hours with Bill talking about and Joe. So go listen to that episode. But I love Elizabeth in that game, I, especially when you look at the DLC Burial at Sea and just where that character goes, which I'm not going to spoil all that. I just she's amazing. I mean, she comes from a character who's captive in a cell and they're pretty much just watch observing her. And she has no one. She doesn't even realize what kind of world she's in to where all she wants to do is go to Paris because she read about it in books. And just it's just a she's just an amazing character who really grows and is just a badass by the time that you finish with that character. 
and a badass by the time you finish with that character because Sonic just dropped my keyboard thanks to a cat. So, <laughs> <sighs> cats, I have too many. So, yeah, that's my number seven. And, Richard, what is your number seven? Uh, well, my number seven ends up being, and you may not have be familiar with this character, Michaela Reed from the Dead by Daylight game. She's one of the survivors. Uh, she's very. She has a very intriguing backstory because she's, you know, she's familiar with magic and all that. And this is somehow caught the in the story of the line, the base base storyline of the game. This is caught the entity's eyes, and so um, he sort of the entity sort of abducts her into the trials and all that that the survivors and the killers run. And she's actually the first one, first survivor in the game to have a mechanic in the game called boons, which this is something that was something new because while killer in, in the game, in the trial arenas where you play the, you know, they do the, where you have the matches, there are totems around that the killer can have hexes on with what she brought in. The new feature was boons that the survivors can use. You bless a totem and whatever boons you have is active in that area. Like if you have her, her abilities have a heal. She has a healing and a swift step, which you get into that area. You can heal yourself, even if you don't have a self heal skill. And if you run into your air into the area with that, and you've activated that boon, nobody can, no, no marks are left for the killer to track. So if they lose track of you in that area, they can't see, they can't see where you've gone. And then they added with each new survivor, each, they, they're getting boons of their own, but she's the first one that had these boons, and I think that was like a brilliant addition to the uh, mechanics to add to the game. And just because of the look factor, she's a redhead. I'm, I'm, I like redheads. <laughs> okay. I didn't marry a redhead, but I like redheads. Okay. I, I only played Dead by Daylight once or twice. I don't remember who I who I chose or anything. I just know that game was not. I did not like that game. It was not nice to me. <laughs> if it's your first time, you're all you're going to get. You're going to get slaughtered the first time, yeah. and you just have to learn, and that's what it is. It's a learning mechanic, regardless of if you play Survivor or if you play Killer. It's a learning mechanic, and even the Killer characters, some of them have very tragic backstories. And some are movie characters. <laughs> yes, they got the licenses, although they lost the, they lost the license for Stranger Things, so... That was uh, sad. Yeah, and oh, I mean, if you paid for it before they lost it, you get to keep it. So they can't take that away. They won't take that away, and they can't. I don't think legally, or they would. They no, just can't but make they, money they, off they it. got rid of the they got rid of the trial ground, but you could still have the character. Oh, that was her, that was the level or something for Stranger uh, Things. They had they when they brought Stranger Things into Dead by Daylight with any of the characters, they tend to bring in a killer, a survivor or two. And a trial ground. Okay. And for dead for Stranger Things, it was the Hawkins Institute, you know, underground institute. Oh, all right. But yeah, okay. you still have the Demogorgon in the game. You still have Nancy Wheeler in the game. You still have Steve Harrington in the game. But if you didn't purchase them before they it, they took it off, you can't you can't get them. Is Jill still on there? Right. Yes. Okay. Uh, they still have the Resident Evil license, and I think they're planning something else now. That's good. I just, I mean, I know it's a thing with licenses. People like to take their licenses back, but eh, it's just stupid. Yeah. All right. And I did all our number sevens, correct? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't remember. 
remember because I'm messing with the order. So we're going to do number six. I'll go first because we already mentioned this. Jill Valentine. <laughs> but I'm mentioning the RE3 version because I played Resident Evil 1 for the show and I liked it. But when I played Resident Evil 3 for this show, I was completely blown away by how much I really I'm talking about the original PS1 version how much I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed her character in that. Yes, she's sexy as hell with a black skirt and the boots that make absolutely no sense, but it's just something about everything that goes on with that game and how much, like, her life is fucked up at the beginning of that game. You know, she's been, you know, the police department doesn't trust her, everything's going to hell, and she's just there, and you start, and depending on what difficulty plan you have, she just has kick-ass weapons to start with, and it's always stuck with me, and I just love Jill Valentine in general. Like, she's just such a great character, as we already kind of said, so. Yes, she is a great <laughs> character. She's, um, I've read the books that Stephanie Daniel Perry <laughs> wrote, and I regret I don't have those anymore. Uh, I yeah, I sold mine too. I sold mine for like nothing, <laughs> but I I regret that. And Richard, what is your number six? Oh, now I got got to spin the wheel of morality. <laughs> yes, <laughs> wheel of morality. Turn, turn, turn. Tell us the list we shall. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, good. <laughs> This is one I can have a little fun with because I just started playing the games. And that is Shantae. Oh, okay. Shantae series. Now, I love this. She is smart. She is resourceful. She's innocent in a very humorous way. And you've got to say something for a character whose debut game was on a system that was being phased out. You've got to say something for that. Is it Game of Color? Yeah, it was Game Boy okay. Color at the end of its life cycle when they were more focused on Game Boy Advance. So it's amazing that this character got so remembered that they were able to revitalize it and get to five, uh, four more games. And I got to point out, because my daughter pointed out when I got it free off GOG, <laughs> I knew she would notice it. Shantae in the last three games of the series, she's voiced by Christina V, who is a very talented voice actress, and she's played several heroic characters I, I know of, and one my daughter loves is uh, Ladybug from Miraculous. And Shantae, she's, in, she's, she's a half-genie, and she's so innocent, doesn't realize things. And sometimes it gets her into trouble, because I, I was playing like the first, I only gotten to like a half hour of the game and she goes back to her home and she's like i'm going to slip into the tub now you of course you don't see her disrobe or anything like that but she's in the tub and then she's like wait a minute i don't have a tub <laughs> i know what you're talking about I it was a trap <laughs> but she also she can't stand still she cannot stand still to save her life she's always got to be moving and yes she's got as david bowie would say Dance, magic, dance. <laughs> because <laughs> most of her magic ability, she's she's dancing. Like I said, she can't stand still. She's standing and she's bopping, uh, bopping and hips are swaying. And <laughs> she's crouched down to do an attack. Hips are swaying. I'm like, how can this girl I, not stand still? <laughs> I want to play it one day. I want to play the series. I have a bunch of them on Steam, but I never touched them yet. <laughs> you sure? I'm going <laughs> to plan to pick up the... Well, at the time we're recording this, I plan to pick up the, the uh, second game while it's on sale. Okay. Uh, but um, by the time you hear this, I'll have already done that. <laughs> yeah, well, they won't be on sale either way, but hey. <laughs> well, you never know. You never yeah, know. They might does. go on sale again. You never know. <laughs> you do a lot of sales. Well, I do GOG, too. So. Oh, okay. 
I mean, I got got the third game free off GOG, but she's such a it's such a clever character. And to come from a system, the game, the first game came out on a system that was being phased out. And she's so uh, so memorable. You've got to say something for a character like that. Okay. All right. And Alyssa, what is your number six? Okay, guys, don't make fun of me. Um, So I grew up super monkey balls. So I have Mimi on there. Because she's super cute. And, like, well, I usually picked, like, the the baby on there. But I would always want to pick Mimi, but my sister would always pick her first. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just have her on there because I grew up playing that game a lot. And, um, you know, she's a playable ga- character on, like, all of the Super Monkey Ball games. Um, like, on the GameCube and on the Game Boy Advance. And then even the newer one where they remastered on the Switch. But yeah, I thought I'd put her in there because I figured I'm like, it's definitely not going to be on any of you guys' list. <laughs> so I wanted to put that on there. Okay. And Blake, what is your number six? So I got to say, if, if you had asked me before we started to like put together a list of maybe uh, 100 games that we might possibly see on here, I don't think Super Monkey Ball or Dead by Daylight <laughs> would have appeared on those. But I, I, I appreciate that you guys both sold me on your visions. So good stuff. For mine, I went with Yuna. From Final Fantasy X, my second okay. Final Fantasy character now. And Blake, in honor of Yuna. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that hurts. All right, sorry, had to be done. I, I love it because uh, you can you can love Yuna and the game and like totally legitimately make fun of that ridiculous laughing scene. Um, it's a good scene. I will. The scene is incredible. The scene is it like serves its purpose, but you know, voice acting has come a long way uh, since the PS2. Is what we'll just leave it at that. I choose Yuna because uh, a uh, in Final Fantasy X, you know, just her character is is really well written. I think just a, a very kind of a you know realistic kind of portrayal of a human with with pros, but also like real flaws. You know, Yuna is certainly very kind and uh, you know willful and strong. But also, um, you know, a, a bit naive and young, and even um, kind of brash in some of her actions. But someone who still is willing to kind of sacrifice herself for for what she believes in, and and her growth alongside, uh, you know, Titus and and their relationship. Uh, but I, I would say I was even more invested in Yuna's story playing through Final Fantasy X, and I still to this day will absolutely champion Final Fantasy X too. Is an uh, amazing game that everyone game. should play. Great game, Agreed. and I think that her, her first off, her design in Final Fantasy X Two is just one of my favorite character designs in general. She's just fantastic all around, and just the the kind of continued growth of her character th- through there into like the confident young woman you see in Final Fantasy X Two, from the kind of naive child of of the original game. Just a just a total total killer of a character that I can't say enough nice things about. Yeah, because she really changes so much as that as that game progresses. A lot of real growth, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I love ten. A whole it's and amazing. Characters game. is always good. And that brings us to number five. And Alyssa, what is your number five? Alrighty, my number five is Kazooie from Banjo Kazooie. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. You know, Wait, are, uh, Kazooie's? I didn't know Kazooie was a female character. Is this? Are you she dropping is, yeah. this knowledge bomb on me right now? Wow, uh, I never do that either. She lays eggs. Oh my god! Yeah, I, when you read the dialogue and stuff, like Banjo refers to her like as you know she and her, 
Yoshi lays eggs. Is Yoshi? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting way <laughs> No, Yoshi's not. All right. Uh, you guys are blowing my mind right now. Just, I'm so sorry. Um, I also well, Birdo like, shoots I, eggs, and Birdo is supposed to be male. I think Birdo is I like. Birdo's female. Yeah. Well, I, I'm pretty sure Birdo's like non Transgender, something like that, I think. Non binary. Like, you know, they don't have a gender. Yeah. But. Anyway, so yeah, so because they were using like, <laughs> sorry, um, but then I also have Slash like Laylee from Ukulele because it's kind of like a kind of like a spinoff from Banjo Kazooie, so they kind of tie together. But yeah, just the like sidekick character, but in Banjo Kazooie you can play as Kazooie, you know, because they have that little portal where like the two separate, and then you can just play as Kazooie. Um, but yeah, I like how sassy she is, and like you know she has a little bit of an attitude, and I don't know, it's a fun game, and I think that's a you know, pretty fun characters. That's why it's number five for me. Ukulele is okay. a good game too. Not enough people have played ukulele. Yeah, I have it on Epic. I don't want to play it because I don't like Banjo Kazooie, but I have it. <laughs> what? I don't. I mean, you can hear that in episode seven of the show. I think or episode seven or eight. But I fucking hated Banjo Kazooie when I played it for the show. <laughs> oh, that was a long, long time ago. I just recently got reminded of something in Banjo Kazooie, and Does it's it like exist? one of those. Um, no, I knew it existed. It was like uh, <laughs> one of those hidden, I can't believe they put that in a kid's game type thing. Oh. Okay. I have no idea what you're talking about. I think I know what you're talking about. I don't yeah. know if I want to know either. <laughs> I think I might know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> okay. and I don't want to go any farther than that. So. Okay, let's yes, leave with that. Oh um, Blake, what is your number five? Hold on, I'm Googling a, a NSFW Benjo Kazooie. Let me get my results real quick. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Next, let's see. I have Tally Zora from Mass Effect 2 and 3. Oh. So Tally, another character that, you know, uh, well, I say 2 and 3, but she's from the original as well. She's in so, one. Um, yeah, one of the OG characters. Uh, like I said, I, I ended up cutting Fim Shep for, uh, for reasons we can possibly discuss later. But the Mass okay. Effect series in, in general is just, I, you know, I think one of just a, a, a master class of, of writing. Uh, in, in, in the characters specifically, and, and Tally is just an amazing example of a kind of strong female character who, who has her own goals and ambitions and certainly throughout the series kind of kind of works to achieve those in concert with, with you, the, the player, you know, and just, just a great party member in terms of gameplay and mechanics. Uh, I love having Tally around, but but specifically her characterization from the uh the kind of runaway young pilgrimage Korean from the first game all the way up to like a you know an admiral in the Korean army through three so you see her her entire kind of metamorphosis from uh from you know um someone trying to find themselves to a to a leader of their people and just uh just fantastic all around and the uh the Mass Effect Citadel DLC which which uh introduces us to drunk tally Perhaps the greatest tally. <laughs> so she's uh she's just she's the best. Okay. I don't remember I haven't played Mass Effects in a while. I don't remember two or three at all anymore. It's been years. Good stuff. But one day. One day I really want to play them again. I played one for the show a while ago, but the audio was terrible, so <laughs> and I'll say my number five. Marl from Colonel Trigger. Because she's awesome. Even though it's all her fault that the whole thing happens, but she, you know what? Because of her clumsiness, because of her curiosity, she hits the stupid button on the computer that lets them know that Lavos is going to destroy the world and they have to stop it. And I love her character. I love Colonel Trigger. 
like that game is, as I've said on the show before, favorite game of all time. But Marl, I feel like she also really grows and you see her come from, you know, someone that was very sheltered in life in the beginning of the game and not knowing what the outside is to really changing and growing as the game progresses. And she's just awesome. And has one of the best moments ever in gaming when you save Colonel's life because only a monster, Michael Hughes, if you're just listening to would do something like that and not save her. Like, you you have to save Cronin. You have to have her on that mountain hugging Cronin. He come back from the dead when you replaced him with a, with a with a freaking copy. But hey, so yeah, that's my number five. And Richard, what is your number five? All right, now I'm just trying to remember. Is Marl, Marl, she was the princess? Princess Nadia. Yes. Okay, that's why I was trying to remember because I, I was confusing her with Luca for a moment. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Hey, it's well, been like a few years since I played Cro- Chrono Trigger, all right? Luke is way cooler. I'm throwing it out there. Sorry, Mike. I'm just I'm putting it but, into the uh, universe. <laughs> Luke is now, cool. my I mean, number yeah, five, uh, this one's going to be a bit out there. That's fine. But it's uh, Adrienne Delaney from Phantasmagoria. I mean, she, oh, was, I... She, was a, she was basically a lead character in a live-action Sierra game when they were doing their going through their full motion video type phase, her character is a writer. And <laughs> as you put it in there, you cause the whole, whole problem. She in turn causes the whole problem. She re- releases a demon accidentally because they bought a home that used to belong to a magician. And she found a secret crypt and she opened a box because as human beings were stupid like that. <laughs> That's true. And she goes through hell in this game. And even by the end of the game, you actually see the toll it took on her to defeat this entity that was had possessed her husband. And the only way she could really free him from it was to, quote, kill him. And this is after okay. he's gone and been killing everybody else. And she's like this sensible character thrown into this supernatural horror and yet you get that feeling of she's been through hell and back i, I if, if i remember correctly phantom Goria is the game that david lee home or comb is was on or yes. worked on okay he played the husband i know because he's part of the same group that we're that we're met from classic gamer guild so that's how i, I yep. know his name yeah i want to play that game one day uh you can it actually does have a built-in hint system too what do you mean when i need something like that come on <laughs> they put them in few Sierra games. I'd have a guide, so it wouldn't matter. But yes, <laughs> you know but me. I remember when this game even came out; it was like seven CDs in length. Damn, we talked about it before on the show with the early cast. We were talking about doing it, but we never did, obviously. But okay, just prepare bring... yourself for a tough game there. <laughs> yeah, and that will bring us to number four. And Blake, what is your number four? Number four. Let's see. And I, I forgot to mention this earlier, but Elizabeth was also on my short list, Mike. So that was a good choice. Oh, okay. um, and I want to mention that she's great. And the gameplay value she brings is like one, one of the best. Like if you have to escort someone like Elizabeth is one of the, the highest on the list of like. Oh, yes. Es- have you ever played Burial at Sea? I haven't. Always been on my list. Bowshock's one of my favorite series. I, I got to get around. Play Burial at Sea. Completely different. Completely different to Bowshock Infinite. It it wraps up her story in a neat bowl, and you will not be happy, but you'll be glad you played it. Let's just put it that way. I like it's it. Really okay, good, that's, that's fair. I like that. You've you've convinced me. I think um, it's, on the, it's on the collection you probably have already because of Steam and Epic or anything. So I think I might have it on Switch actually. So that would be okay. uh, yeah. yeah. Cool. So next, I have 
a list I or I thought I, I expected at least at least some of you would have this this one on your list. You might. Um, I went with Princess Zelda for like many of the obvious reasons. Just the um, you know the amount of times she's she's been around, even if she wasn't necessarily playable in her earliest forms. Uh, she's just so iconic. It's you know it's hard to leave her off a list like this. But but she's as playable as, in two games. She's she so yes so as as the series as the right, yes yes I'm glad you mentioned that as the series progressed you know she went from just a MacGuffin slash damsel in distress to uh to what within the uh, you know the lore of the game she's obviously uh, a central figure kind of you know we, we could we could talk about the uh the the lore of the the Zelda games but you know essentially like the uh, the reincarnation of of one of these goddesses in this game and just central to what's going on. I mean, it is the legend of Zelda, uh, but, <laughs> but, but she does kind of develop some core attributes, you know, a strong female character in her own right. Like she's always, she's always going to do what it takes to protect her people and her country. And even, even in some of the games, when things get really hard, like Ocarina of Time and Breath of the Wild, she's shown as someone who doesn't give up, but, but fights back kind of against these injustices. So, yeah. so she's she's more than just like a a token damsel in distress. Even if even if she started that way, she she really um, like I think earns her place as kind of an iconic character and one of my favorite again uh, Smash characters. So bonus points <laughs> there. Okay. Yeah, Zelda's only play uh, the only good playable games that Zelda, the only good <laughs> Zelda games that Zelda is playable in is well the good games that she's playable in is of course the Smash Brothers series and. Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks. There were no uh, other games that she was playable in. One day, I'm going to play those CDI games for this show if I can find a volunteers <laughs> tribute and get a way to run it. I will I, one day I, do it. I would submit Hyrule Warriors, the two Hyrule Warriors oh, games. Yep. You're right. As, very um, true. Very true. Yeah, I did forget as, those. As, those are good my bad. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, but that's a fair point. And Alyssa, what is your number four? My number four is a non-playable character. It's Midna. From uh, Twilight <laughs> Princess. I don't know why like, I really like her. She's awesome. Know. Yeah, she is. Honestly, that was my first Zelda game that I've ever played. And I don't know. I just, I, I, there's something about her. I just really like her character. I just thought that her interactions with the game and stuff like that were very unique and cool. And I don't know. I just I really like her. <laughs> She insults you constantly in that game, too, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I love it. I, I love that. <laughs> That's what, that's what he deserves for the shit he does anyway. So <laughs> He's an idiot in that game at times, so he deserves to have someone yelling at him. Yeah. I haven't played Twilight Princess in a while, but I, 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 like, I, I like Twilight Princess a lot. That is a very, very good game. People do not give is, it Is it worth picking out as like a Zelda game? I've never played it. Yes. But if you can play the Wii U oh. version or if they ever fucking release it on Switch, the HD version is way better just because they simplify a few things that are annoying. For Twilight but, Princess? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The so the amount of like gold things you have to collect in different parts is cut down, so you don't have to collect as many in the game. The there's game a few game. other. I, I have the game. I have the GameCube Wii and Wii U version, but the Wii U version. There's a few other things that they did some quality of life improvements, so I always recommend that one. But the GameCube, everything's better on the GameCube. I've played no. the GameCube version. <laughs> I played the Wii U. The not the Wii U, the Wii version. Actually, <laughs> I was playing, working my way through Twilight Princess, basically when my daughter was born. <laughs> that's something that will always stick with you yeah <laughs> I even remember and, trying to replay it and I was sitting on the floor in our apartment at the time 
in front of the game, and I had her in my lap. Because I didn't necessarily feel bad about her seeing it because these are fantasy creatures that are getting the oh, living daylight. What was she, out. one? Or not even one? Not even one. Nothing <laughs> computes. <laughs> Nothing computes, so it's all fine. <laughs> and Richard, what is your number four? Ah, well, number four turned out to be more recent character, too, which I do have a fondness for. And that's Kathy Rain from the Kathy Rain games. Oh, okay. Well, she has a very complex backstory. I mean, uh, her parents were split. Her mother was crazy. As you discover, she was a teenager who got pregnant and, well, she had it aborted. She didn't want her mother involved, but because she was so, she was a teenager, of course, they had to tell her. But she's also sassy in a in a good way. I mean, she's about ready to sass back at people and have that sarcastic wit we had in the 90s. She has some, quote, bad habits. You know, she's a chain. She's got a bit of a smoking habit. You can tell she has that, quote, stereotypical bad girl vibe about her but she's a good person i mean she will use her quote some of these bad traits in a positive way and i gotta admit it it, you i love the banter she has with her roommate which is pretty much a complete opposite and (laughs) she gets surprised by her roommate too so but she is a very complex character and yes i will admit that there is some visual appeal to her character which is kind of remarkable, given that this is this is done in the style of the point-and-click type when, of games that would be predominant in the early to mid-90s, which is also set in the, in the mid-90s. And she's dealing with uh, trying to figure out what happened to her grandfather. I mean, he passed away at the beginning of the game, but for years he's been in sort of like a vegetative state. She's a very comp. I, I love that she's a complex character. I love that... She shows she cares for people, even people you wouldn't think she would care of, given her style. And she's not afraid to kick butt when she has to. One day I want to play some of those series. I never have yet, though. Yeah, I mean, there's only like two Kathy Rain games out, the initial release and then the director's cut, which has some more to it. And I'm actually enjoying the director's cut right now. All right. And I'm going to say my number four that I'm assuming is on nobody's list, Aridia, Aridia, however you want to pronounce it, from Final Fantasy IV. How many characters do you have that get thrown off a boat, eaten by Lephiath, and then you pick up later on in the game, and they're all grown up because time passed when they were in a different war dement area, and they grew up and learned new ability? Like, you don't get that. Plus, she, the, the, game open, the game opens up pretty early with her mother getting killed, protecting her village that you end up destroying, and she has to join you. Like, She's a great character. And for the longest time when I was a kid, I never realized that the second sprite of Rydia when she's an adult was actually her hair off to the side. I thought she had a mask on for the longest time. It wasn't until <laughs> later I realized, oh, that's her hair that's over there, not a mask, you idiot. But love the character. Used her all the time back in the day because you don't have a choice. But she's she's great. Like, just the evolution of her and what she goes through and the fact that she ages when the game doesn't really, like, not many years passed in the game, but in her, where she gets transported to time changes. It's just awesome. She's the kind of character that is developed well and can make you second-guess the eye-candy appeal of the character that some of those characters were drawn with. 
Uh, Blake, do you have anything in common for Rydia? Because I know you played four before. I'm pretty positive. Uh, it's a it's a great pick. Uh, she made my short <laughs> list, not not my final list. Um, okay. I, I I think ultimately I passed on her. I, I'm not as familiar with four, but but yeah, uh, obviously you do you get the kind of growth. And this was you know this was what early '90s, so um, you know not a, yeah, not, a, not a not a not a not a whole lot of, of female playable protagonists to choose from. So uh, yeah. I love her, love her design, love her gameplay elements. So yeah, definitely a worthy pick there. She is a, a character that is more seen as a daughter because <laughs> when you first see her, she is a kid. Yeah. And when even when she gets older, you can't town. necessarily get that child. This was the child you were protecting. And it may have only been, Weeks for you, but it was years for her. Which I love. Yeah, I love that. I too. really and I, love that. She's a character, well, there is the, quote, eye candy appeal. I cannot look her at her in that way because I knew where she came from. Plus, it's old sprites. <laughs> yeah. Well, that will bring us to number three. And Richard, what is your number three? Oh, I got to spin the wheel again. Because <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I... When I came up with my list, I've listed the characters, I've had my reasons, I just can't give them a proper rating because they're all strong <laughs> in different ways. And as it comes up, we have, and I'm sure that this one's not on your list, in fact, I only found out about this character and a game through a podcast many, many years ago, and I was only <laughs> able to get the game more recent in more recent years, uh, actually before my wife passed. And this is Naja from Aquaria. I've been meaning to play this one day. Yeah, it's actually a very good game. I haven't played fully through it myself. She is a very enigmatic character because she she can't remember her past. And as you play through the game, you learn more about her. You She evolves as a character. She meets someone in the course of the game and... Even by the end of the game, they are married. They have a child because apparently, but she's such a complex character. And part of her story is revealed as you play the game. Now, since I haven't fully played through it and I've only looked things up briefly, I can't say how the full, full reveal is. The only reason I know this game, because my, one of my previous co-hosts, Mike, Mike had always mentioned this. It's on Steam, but it never goes on sale. I've been—it's on my wish. It hasn't gone on sale like in years. It's an older game, so I've been waiting one day for this. I think I got it on GOG when it was on sale. Okay. So I, I mean, GOG. try go on the site. You'll find some good stuff Whoa. there. I mean, let's face it—they it, just, just got Doom sixty four on GOG now. There is no GOG, only Steam. <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately, there's certain games you can't find on Steam. So I know, but I. I have a weird thing with Steve. I got nothing. Okay. But yeah, she's, and she's got a great voice. They picked a good voice actor for her. British woman. I can't remember her name right now. I've heard the podcast. It's been years since I actually listened to the podcast episode. That but that's cool, though. I mean, you mentioned a game that most people wouldn't even know exists. The only reason I know exists because my previous co-host was a yeah. fan. It's a Metrovania. Oh, yes, it is. And it's it's very captivating, and I love it. I just have to get back to it. <laughs> Maybe I'll do it for my channel one day, too. You should. And... Blake, what is your number three? Let's see. So this is the last of my legacy picks here. I went with Samus. Okay. Ultimate, ultimately, um, I, I think maybe someone in the chat before we started talking had talked about some kind of uh, out-of-game media, so maybe they could even talk more than, than I could about her. But uh, I think ultimately I just chose her because of her place in video game 
canon in history, almost a meta pick, um, as just one of, if not the OG kind of female badasses in gaming. So, you know, just a just a just a, a strict legacy pick here in terms of like <laughs> just uh, you know young girls in, in, the, in the original Metroid was I believe late eighties. Mm. So you know, like uh, obviously n- not a lot of uh, of choices back then for 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 females who wanted to play and kind of see themselves represented. So even if it was an Easter egg or if it took a while to get around, just the fact that that Samus was a woman in, in that time is is just uh, you know why she makes my list essentially. Okay. Definitely. She's a strong character. She's yes. a good role model. And I'll say my number three. I know this was on Blake's list. It hasn't been yet, but it might be again. Uh, Aya Brea from Parasite Eve 1, because I just fucking love Parasite Eve 1, and I love Aya Brea. Like, I, Parasite I, Eve I took two. her off. I'm glad that you have uh, just validated the pick, though. <laughs> She's one of my favorite. I love that game. She's great. Back Back in so tw- 2007, when my son was born, if we would have had a girl, her name was going to be Aya. Me, my, me and my girlfriend at the time, that's what we had just hopefully maybe decided. I don't know if that actually would have happened, but that was my plan, at least. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the name. I love the character. She's a badass in that freaking, in Paris D1. Unfortunately, Paris D2 sucks. You can hear my review. <laughs> but I just, she's just so awesome to me. I mean, she, you know, she finds out that she has power. She finds out that she doesn't burn to death when everybody else burns to death. Oh, that, what she, a great cutscene, right? And oh one thing God. as a cop, but it's just such a great character. She's just so fucking awesome. And I just, and the way that, you know, she finds out that, like, if I, isn't she somehow, like, related to the, the ultimate being that's a, that's a baby that's trying to kill you later in the, in the game? I can't remember. I think she's somehow related uh, to it. I, I, there's some clone fuckery going on. Perhaps uh, I know, I'm not going to pretend to understand the story. I know the of, third game you play, you play as her, but you're not actually her. You're her clone of her daughter. That's when the clone comes in. I think you're the clone of her daughter. You're a clone that it that raises a daughter, I, but it's actually her. I think it was but, was it a tr- a transplant, like one of her mom. Her no, that's mother's... with her sister. She had something tran- transplanted into. Oh God, uh, the the villain of the first game, Eve. The uh, the yeah, the Melissa. I think is her name. It's been a. It's it's a it's, like it's that, a yeah. it, it's a confusing game. It's a great mm-hmm. game, as, but it's I, I'm not gonna even sit here and pretend to know what the fuck no. happened in it. Go listen. To my, you go listen to the episode. Like it's like twenty twenty six or so. The first person you go go listen to that. We we explained the game pretty well because we just beat it. Like one of us beat it that day when we recorded a, it back. Amazing, <laughs> touch, amazing PS one era cutscenes though. Top, amazing top PS one game too. Yeah, I mean it's a real. I it still holds up. I'm happy to say. So I've been meaning to replay it, but I, every time I do that, I'm like, do I really want to play another 10? Like, I don't know if I want to play that game again for 10 hours. It's got too many things to do. So, Alyssa, what is your number three? My number three is Rouge the Bat from Sonic. Okay. Um, Sonic Adventure 2. Yes, you can play her in Sonic Adventure 2. I like her, like, cutscenes with Knuckles. I don't know, I just like their interactions and stuff like that. But my favorite level to play her in is when you're in... um that building, like that mailroom building and Dr. Eggman is like yelling at you and he's like, Rouge, like hurry up and, you know, find the Chaos Emeralds. So you're like in there and you have to the person. Find it. Yeah, because like her dialogue in there is just kind of funny because she's, you know, kind of irritated with him and stuff. But yeah, I just like, she's kind of like a sneaky, like, you know, mischievous character. And I don't know, I liked her, her levels in that game and her gameplay. So... Yeah, that's why she's... And I, I really love that game, too, so... That's why she's... Uh, <laughs> it's a good game. On my number three. Okay. 
I think that brings us to number two, then, if my math is correct. And I'll go first. I haven't done that lately. My number two is Celeste from Final Fantasy VI. How many characters jump off a freaking cliff in the game and commit suicide and survive? I knew she was going to be on your list. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, one, when you first meet her, she's chained up and you have to rescue her. And they're like, yeah, I think there's like a joke if you still wear your costume. Like, aren't you short for an Imperial Trooper? (laughs) Star Wars reference. But it's just like everything goes on with that game where you think she's a traitor, but she's not a traitor. She saves, she sacrifices herself multiple times throughout the game to save your life. Like, she freaking builds, uses a raft that her, that you, in most cases, dead fake father b- made for her and just goes off, not even knowing where the hell it's going to lead. Okay, I'm just going to go float off of the sea. Like, she is great. Such a great character, goes through so much shit throughout that game. And I, I love Celeste. So that's yeah, my number one. Great, great, great pick. I mean, she's <laughs> one of the two strong feet. Well, there's like three, isn't there like three female characters in that game? Yes, that are major Terra, Realm, Celeste. That's it. Yeah, yeah. But that's a good pick. I mean, she's one of the two natural magic well, users. I have I have issues with <laughs> with certain comments in that game that involve Realm. So we're just we're gonna stay right. Yeah, I wasn't I matching issues. Realm. I was talking. I mean, she like those those uh, Terra and Celeste are the only ones who can really use magic from the get go. Well, Strago and Realm, I guess both, kind of technically. Oh, yeah, because of the, the family they come from. Yeah, they just keep yeah, it hidden. Oh, episode yeah, they... 150, if you want to hear me and Blake talk about sex for three hours. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Richard, than... what is your number two? Number two. Number two, we just want to spin the wheel of morality again. <laughs> hey, the choices are getting smaller. <laughs> okay, so... A lot of them that I'd love to mention, and we go That's with another. And we go with another computer one from the computers, another one from a Sierra game, and that is Princess Rosella of Daventry from the King's Quest franchise. She is a uh, she was the first female lead in the franchise, although her first appearance has her as the quote damsel in distress, but you see her as a very strong independent woman. I mean, uh, even when the uh, bad guy, the one bad guy character gets revealed to be, uh, well, he's a decent looking guy, but she's not about ready to fall head over heels for him. In fact, even by the end of seven, they are, those two characters are are not, quote, engaged to be married or anything. They're just courting because, you know, you got to have that respect for such a strong character. She goes through a lot in those games i mean she's she goes she's basically goes on her quest because her father has fallen gravely ill and so you go to the land you're brought to the land of tamir and to disguise you you are made to look like a peasant girl and she must quote uh, find this magical apple well she's snow white no no but she has to then acquire three things for this evil queen, evil fairy queen. And it's her, quote, son, who you later find out was abducted from her, his actual family. And she is such a strong character. She is one of those early female playable leads. And even later, you still see she's headstrong. She'll butt heads with her father or with her mother. 
about, quote, getting married. She doesn't want to get married yet, which is something that all royal princesses must do eventually. (laughs) And then also with added lore, she is shown to be very, even when she gets in over her head, she does what she can. She does what she has to because she is royalty. She must be the leader. Okay. Let's play this someday. Oh, yeah. You I have to play it. all the King's Quest games. I should have played those. I don't know if I will, but I should. All right. And uh, Blake, what is your number two? My number two, I went with, and I, I say I did save these last two because I, I feel like they were, <laughs> they were, they, these were the only two that I could pretty, I feel like I could confidently order. So number two for me is Clementine from the Walking Dead series. A, a theme of, of mine has, has been like growth, you know, in characters. And I, I'm not sure that any character kind of personifies that more than Clementine, who we see grow up from a literal child uh, into a protector of her own through multiple seasons and episodes of, of this Walking Dead game. Five games, right? I want to say. Oh, uh, I mean, so I guess it depends on how you would chop them up. So the, well, the, each the season first... is one game. Yeah. Okay. So four. Can't I know season one, season two, a new frontier, and then maybe his final season. I can't remember. I never played past season one. Um. So I, there's a, a number of spinoffs that I didn't play. Um. I believe that it would be. I think five is correct. Okay. Season one, season two, a new frontier. So maybe that's it. So maybe this is those three. There's a fin- There's also final season, and there's also the Michonne game too. Yeah. Okay. So I, I I would choose her because. Her following her journey from the first episode, you know, obviously you play as a, a person named Lee who finds this girl Clementine, uh, and you kind of protect her. And I, I think the, I, when I think back to those Walking Dead games, I, th- I think their kind of legacy on on storytelling in video games is is a bit underrated in ways because it's one of the first games I can recall that just just the the the, the your choices were so important and really. Even if even if we've we've gotten wise to some of the tricks like Telltale and a lot of those <laughs> these quote unquote choice driven games, you know, play on us that you know ha- how deterministic are your choices really? And that's that's a fair debate. But 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 you always have the motivation, I think, throughout those. If your choices were, or, uh, for, this is true of almost every player I think who played those that that like protecting Clementine was just priority number one, and yeah, that with that sure. with that mindset. Yeah, from the beginning, and then to see her come into her own as this very long series that some people were invested in for years um, as, as a protector, and even even if it falls into some of the like storytelling tropes and like fake outs that the show ultimately suffered from, her tale and characterization is still is still just really affecting in the way that you can you can see the growth of a single character. Uh, in a in a harsh world, uh, maybe maybe unlike any other character in gaming, in terms of just the the breadth of what we get to experience. Okay. And Alyssa, what is your number two? My number two is Dixie Kong. Um, <laughs> you know, you can play she her first appearance, like that you can actually play her is Diddy's Conquest, and I liked her a lot in that game. I played as her mostly in that game because you know. I don't, I don't like playing as Diddy because she was just easier to control. Um, I like Diddy and, better. <laughs> well, I like playing uh, her better. I like Dixie. Uh, I'm with you on that one. Okay, good. And then she has her, I mean, I guess technically her own game because like Donkey Kong Country 3, that's when it's her and Kitty Kong. 
that game though was, was seriously impossible. I I have not <laughs> I went past the first world in that game, but I like that she's in it. And then you can play her in the um like later games like you know tropical freeze and you know the other games but i like playing her in those as well so yeah she's a good character Diddy Kong Rising. Yes, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave the ds version though if, if i remember correctly <laughs> yeah she's not she's not in the 64 version for sure because i yeah okay i think that brings us to honorable mentions and blake you want to mention some honorable mentions that you have just yeah quickly? um Sure, yeah. So uh, we've mentioned a few, but uh, just to run through them, I had uh, Sonya Blade, Kerrigan from uh, the StarCraft series, uh, Sinwa from Sinwa Sacrifice, uh, Alloy, which may be number one for some people, but I was surprised that had not been mentioned. I'm so sorry for spoiling that if anyone has Alloy coming up. Uh, Syl- Sylvanas Windrunner, Chun-Li Lightning from Final Fantasy XIII, 2B from uh, Nier Automata, and The Boss from the Metal Gear series. Okay, boss. That's a, no faith from Mirror's Edge. Yeah, I ended up taking her off just when I look back. I, you know, like I, it was, it was a moment in time. I don't know. <laughs> the reason we're making that joke is he wrote a list of top ten w- females in games, and and that was one of them. So he couldn't remember why he put that in there when he sent us the article when we first started. <laughs> Sorry, Faith. You had you had your time in the spotlight. <laughs> I've never played those games. I really want to. I just never done it. Man, I say that they're, way too much. They're fine. Like they they are good games. Richard, what are your honorable mentions? Okay, I've got about, well, six or seven of them. Uh, I'm okay. going to try and be quick as them. One of them's the Valkyrie uh, named Thyra uh, from the Gauntlet series. In fact, that's the name that she first had on the old stand-up cabinets back in the day. I also took picked Flora Reinhold from the Professor Layton series. Oh. Uh, she's cute. She's adorable. She's smart. She's also awkward because I love I mean, that she, grew, uh, yeah, she, she grew up in a basically in a town full of robots. Uh, I picked Carrie Fernandez from Castlevania 64. She's one cute uh, magic user. And she's had some, some of the more challenging levels in the Nintendo 64 games. Her bad ending is relatively troublesome. And I believe she's supposed to be a descendant of Silpha Belnades. And I know you mentioned mentioned Sonya Blade. I picked her daughter, Cassie Cage. <laughs> because that is a girl who has one hell of a complex character through the games and she's the daughter of Johnny and Sonya. I mean, she loves both her parents and wants to make them both happy. And I think she's got a bit of a closer feel for who her father actually is than her mother. Her mother, I mean, in, in the storyline of the series, she her mother was sort of afraid to be a parent. And delve too much into work. I have Amanda Ripley on there from Alien Isolation. Ah, yep, good game. Very resourceful, tragic backstory, and seeking seeking closure linked to her mother's disappearance. And this last uh, this honorable mention here is a recent addition to the list, and that's Felicia from Darkstalkers. I mean, she's <laughs> cute. She's innocent. She's generally a good natured creature in the fan- franchise. She is a cat girl. She was not a yeah, cat girl, and she was not necessarily intended to be, quote, the sex symbol of the game, but she is such a lovable character. And re- go ahead, go ahead. I regret I've never played Darkstalkers at all yet. I've been talking about doing it someday for the show just to do like a mini, just to play. I've never really, I never really experienced that series much. But I don't like I remember so. playing it That's in the fun. arcades. And one character 
that I didn't put on the list because she is initially not a video game character, but that's Jubilee from X-Men Legends. Because She'd have to be in a game to count for this list. Yeah, I know. Well, X-Men Legends, she is playable in the game. She is? Yes. Okay, okay. That would that would qualify. I haven't played that in so long. God. Yeah, I I wasn't initially gonna get I got that game as a Christmas gift from my brother and brothers in law, so I need to put that and in the I was surprised to find her in the game and yeah, she's playable and I've always had a fondness for the character. Okay. All right, and Alyssa, what are you have any honorable mentions? Yes. So Isabel from Animal Crossing. I <laughs> just had to throw that in there. Love it. I really like Blaze from Sonic. Um Sonic Rush. Like- I like her a lot. I like the look of the character and, you know, I don't know. She's just pretty cool. And then another one is Rosalina from Mario. She's on Super Mario Galaxy and then on some of the, like, you know, Mario parties and, you know, stuff like that. And then the last one that I had is actually a game that we covered last week, which was Life is Strange. Max Caulfield. I actually <laughs> really love that game. I don't know. I really like that game a lot. Fucked up game. I really like that game a lot. I don't know. I just I like the character because it's just it was just so realistic, and I just I really appreciated that game. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna throw her in there. But yeah, okay. that's it. <laughs> Great good choices. And before I mention mine, I'm just gonna mention nine of Blair Farrell's from comic book video. Is it God? He's gonna kill me. Uh, he won't care. But I'm trying to think. I think it's comic video. Yeah. ComicBookVideoGames.com, his website. He's been on the show many times. Uh, his his list, because he was unfortunately not able to make it due to scheduling. His from ten to two, uh, Laura Croft from the two thousand six Crystal Dynamics trilogy, Claire Redfield, which we have not even mentioned yet, Jill Valentine, Tronbon, Chun Li, Abrea, Regina from Dino Crisis, and Bayonetta. And I'm going to wait on his number one till. We do that. And then I have a few honorable mentions to, to I want to say, because t- I had a rule of not the same, ca- not not a character from the same game. So that's why I skipped a couple. But my honorable mentions are Tara from FF6, Renoa from FF8, because I just love Renoa, but her character is kind of bland and she's kind of bitchy. But I just loved her when I was a kid and had a huge crush on her when I was like 14 <laughs> or so. So that's in here. And Alyssa LaSalle from Comic Star Heroine. That's only on here because I've been playing that game this week. Spoiler. Rosa from Final Fantasy 4. And my last one mention is Ayla from Chrono Trigger, only because I couldn't I couldn't put her above Marl, even though Ayla is fucking awesome. But yeah, Marl had to go first. All right. So yeah. that brings us to our final ones. And Blake, why don't you go first? What's your number one? Yeah. So uh, I actually had a similar rule and uh, it was tough for me because uh, you mentioned Celise, uh, you know, one of your favorite yes. characters and one of mine as well. But Tara Branford is is my maybe personal favorite character in all of gaming. So she, okay. she she topped my list. A lot of this is, in all fairness, a complete nostalgia pick. Final Fantasy VI is, I've long considered, potentially the greatest game ever made. Certainly like one best, of yes. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, I'll die on that deal. Certainly one of my all-time favorite games, and um, you know, I was I just re- I just remember being really affected by by her story of kind of a woman who had had her will literally taken away from her. You know, Kefka puts a slave crown on her head and kind of controls her to uh, commit these atrocities. And, uh, you know, so she's, uh, when we start the game, she's free for the first time in her adult life. And just Final Fantasy VI is interesting, as, as many of you know, a true ensemble cast that the, uh, you know, the plot kind of pretty quickly spreads out beyond just her story. But 
she obviously remains um, very important to the overall plot but but her individual story of this growth from this this person who just who doesn't know where where, where they fit in and knows they're perhaps a little bit different than everyone else to kind of this protector she finds a uh, you know her own uh, makeshift family near the end and she decides that that protecting them is is her identity so she she just really see this kind of organic growth of someone who who finds their purpose throughout and so g- losing her the, the the way the game is is set up obviously your your party's kind of disbanded halfway through so the second half of the game kind of involves you tracking down your previous party members and um tracking her down is a big ordeal she's who you start the the game with she's kind of would quote unquote be your your main character so when she refuses to join your party uh in the second half of the game because because she has her own goals i was just really affected by that playing as a kid that that you know like that these these weren't just characters that I was controlling at my whims. Like this was a, a someone with their own goals in game, and for her to to kind of show that growth and of of course you know find find her own meaning. I just I just found really really meaningful and it's always stuck with me. And her design and just gameplay and uh, history and legacy and everything is just uh just up there for me for sure. Okay, and Alyssa, what is your number one? Okay, mine's a little strange, I guess. So I really love the game Skyrim. Um, and it's a non-playable character that I... That's my number one. It's Carlia. So if you guys don't know that game... No idea. Do, what? Okay, well, if you do the Thieves Guild main storyline, basically she was in Thieves Guild, but they, like, betrayed her and, you know, tried framing her for stuff. And I don't know, a bunch of stuff happened, but she joins like this nightingale crew and like i don't know i just love like her armor that she has like because you can become like a nightingale like her i love like the voice acting of her character and then i just like her backstory like you know she was just trying to like uh defend her friend that was killed and you know i don't know i just i really love her character like whenever i play the game i always do the thieves guild just so that i can get that armor and so that like I can do that storyline with her in it because I really love her character a lot, and it's just a good game. So, okay. And Richard, what is your number one? Okay, uh, hmm. I'm bracing myself after I this one came up on the wheel, <laughs> <laughs> and I did put it on the list. And yeah, I you can spin the wheel again. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not going to spin the wheel again. This has got to be said. I mean, my number one ended up being Nora Everhart from uh, Called Sea. She's smart. She's resourceful. And she's got a tragic story. I mean, uh, her husband goes to this island to try and find a cure for her condition. And he disappears. And she goes in search to find out what happened. And if you don't know this game, this game does have a Lovecraftian uh, spin on it. There's a lot of ref- There are references for Lovecraftian lore in there. But when you come to find out what has happened, he did find there is no cure. Not a cure that she'd be willing to take. The only way she'd be willing to go through with it is if he faked his death and left her the clues to find what is the cure for her condition. And it is that she is, she can live both above and below water. She is, uh, in part, part one of the deep ones, if you want to look at in Lovecraftian lore. 
But in the end, you either choose to accept the cure, live amongst her own kind forever, an eternal, almost an immortal life without her husband, or you can choose to not take this path, return to him, forgive him for his deceptions, and live out the, have her live out her remaining life. And this just hits so hard for me. I mean, you know my history, Mike. I'm a, I'm a widower. I knew. And this is the kind of thing that makes it so hard. And it's a tough decision for any person to make if they were in that situation. And it sort of drives home that point of how tough that decision is. I mean, even both ends, because I could see it from his angle, too. Regardless of what she chooses, both characters face losing the one they love one way or the other. And it makes you really feel, you feel very, it's a very deep feeling of passion for the character, empathy for the character, sympathy for the character. What was this game called again? Call of the Sea. Call of the Sea, okay. I do I recommend up. playing it. It is a beautiful game. It is yeah, a thinker. Okay, it's getting added to my Steam wish list. Does that mean I'll ever play it? No, but I'll add it to my Steam wish <laughs> That sounds pretty no, cool, bro. though. It, it is. A, it's a beautiful game. It's a deep game. Not on Steam. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, it should be on Steam. <laughs> I know I got it on GOG, but I know it was on Steam, too. It was on Xbox Game Pass as well. It may still be on there. Oh, it's from 2020. Okay. Yeah, it's a relatively newer game. Okay. But, All right. Well, yeah. That sounds interesting. I mean, that's something that I'm... I mean, I, the one thing I love about doing the show is that there, when I bring different people on, they mention games I never even knew existed. Like, there's a game called The Lake that I keep looking at on Steam that I, it's about you deliver mail, and I really want to play it, but it hasn't been on sale yet. Or not sale I'm willing to buy, so... The Lake. <laughs> yes. I think that's what it's called. All right, I'm going to go on to my number one. So first, Blake, I want you to guess. What do you think my number one is? Because you'd be the only person that might know. Oh, man. I think it's, I know this. It's obviously Ashley Graham, the president's daughter. <laughs> it's not. It's from <laughs> RPG, though. Uh, oh, my number one, You. I'm assuming you played this game. If, if anyone on the show has, it's probably only been you, is Eliham Van Houten, or Houten from Xenogears. No, I've I, never played it. you never played Xenogears? No, do I need to? I got obviously yes. I do. I think it, it's actually up there one of my favorite RPGs of the PS1 era. It's a really damn good game. So Ellie Van Hooten or Ellie, as they call her in the game, she joins you early on in the game because she's actually the reason for a lot, some of your problems. She crashes into your steals a mech, crashes into your town, which then in, involves you having to take over the mech and you pretty much destroy your town because you go you kind of go psycho, but. You meet her early on in the forest, and she's lying to you. She doesn't want to admit that she she blames you, even though she was the one that caused all the murders. Like she she works for the enemy government that you're that's trying to kill you, and the game progresses. Like it's just so much stuff happened with this character. I mean, none of this is gonna make sense to anyone. That so I don't really consider the spoilers. You find out that she's related to someone that you painted a picture. Or she was someone from thousands of years ago that your previous self in a past life painted a picture of when she was a nun. And now she's a soldier. You find out that her parents aren't her parents because everyone's blonde and blue, blue eyes. And that's weird. And she has red hair because she's the maid's daughter. Like, I mean, just so many things happen. 
And it's just like, and I mean, you have to fight her at one point. She takes, she, she has to kill you because it's her job and she can't do it. So she takes some kind of drug called drive and she just goes like psychopath and try and tries to murder you. Really good scene. I mean, it's just, she's an amazing character and then weird shit happens and she becomes a different character or purple hair. Cause she gets possessed by a demon woman with purple hair. And then she, in the end becomes Ellie again. I, I don't even understand. I beat this game like three times. Still have no fucking idea what the hell goes on at the end of this game, but she's awesome. One of my, one of my favorite games and one of my favorite characters of all time, even though you can't use her in the damn final fight. Cause she's possessed by a, a God, a demon God or whatever the hell it makes no sense. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> it was a game that will never get a sequel, and that's my number one female character, Ellie. Okay. Nice. So that wraps this up. And Richard, where can people find you at? Well, again, you can find me on my uh, YouTube channel. It goes under Rich Kale. I also have stuff posted up on fanfiction.net, on Comic Vine, on Archive of Our Own. And a lot of that stuff is video game related. I have like good many video game fanfics that i've been working on for years and you want to hear me read some of them they i have those videos up on youtube as well i'm working through them and a new one gets put up every week at uh, tuesday at 10 a.m eastern time so you can check those out and listen to them and hear me bring some of these characters to life as best i can <laughs> okay and Alyssa, where can people find you at I am on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Alyssa Billy, and I do Perler bead art on there. Okay. And, like, do you want to get in what we started this episode with? We can talk a little bit about it. You want to get political at the very end? I don't mind. I mean, sure. I just, you know, I guess uh, I just, uh, it's it's disheartening. I know for just for me, I can't imagine for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I, I would just encourage everyone to, to keep fighting you know this is just one step in a in a much longer battle and and to it shows that now you know more than ever it's it's so important to get involved at like local and state levels we you obviously can't rely on the on the federal government and uh, just our no. completely bro- broken supreme court to uh to uh, help in this fight anymore so it's it's got to be done at a at a local level and you know just know that you for all the women out there you know, you have allies and that um you know we, we won't stop fighting for you. I'm hoping that this will have an effect in voting that people who might have not voted before will get out and at least vote and try to make a difference and get the right, get better people in office because some people in office are idiots. And we can only help. It's the travesty. Um, no question yeah. about it. What we're talking about, the Rovers Wade got overturned, which makes abortion, what made abortion legal now makes it illegal. And it's, because I always say, everyone, anyone that, and I, mean, I know some people don't like to get political, but this, it has to be brought up, and it kind of fits, ironically fits what we're talking about, so it has to be mentioned, I, even though maybe things are better. I, just, I did yeah. see, after that decision was made, and my daughter told me about it while it was during my work day, I did look up an article, and long and short of it is basically, while they had Roe versus Way overturned, which made it federal level the decision is still is still dependent on the states yeah well yes a majority of the states <laughs> have made it illegal there are still some that do allow it to have to be done one of them. minnesota minnesota uh, safe pe- so. and pennsylvania does have some guidelines where it is complex and it is actually this is a very complex issue and but it's just it shouldn't be up to the state it should be up to the person and that's what the it, problem is and I feel like this will have repercussions 
uh, that they the pop the people in power aren't expecting. It will have repercussions. That's what I think. I think it will hopefully change some of the political things that go on in this country. Hopefully, because it's it, pretty stupid that they did this. Yeah, and I will blame. I mean, I, I there we have two judges on there. Yes, <laughs> that were literally put there in a control effort. Yeah. In the last I, four years. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to say this in a historical sense, the claim of waiting for the next election to decide the president of the winner of the next election to decide this had a stronger argument in 2020 than it did in 2016. Yeah. I'm just hoping that things will happen and they'll retire or die and then we get other people in power again. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> Hopefully this can bolster, you know, um, yeah, that's the, the, what the, the, the timing, if nothing else, if there is a silver lining to be found and yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure there is, but if there is anything, it's that, that there's still time to, you know, make a difference before this upcoming election. Yeah. And I, I think there will be an effect. I think stuff like this will get people to do more. I mean, cause I will tell everyone, I don't care what your belief is, vote because you know, I, if it's what the majority feels, then that's, you know, the problem is that there's issues in political stuff where people voted and it wasn't always right. So <laughs> that's what I always want to say. And I think that that's where I want to knock it off ended. But like, yeah, just go out and vote. But yeah, it, it, it's a, another monumental thing that happened in the 2020s because we just can't stop having historical events in 2020s so far. <sighs> Fucking 2020s. The more advanced we will get techno- technologically, the faster things will happen. Yeah, and this is in part we have had very turbulent decades. I We're don't think one now. That there has been a single decade in the past hundred years, possibly a hundred and twenty, where we have not had monumental events happen. I'm tired of. It. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I'm tired of it this this decade. But if you enjoyed this episode, you can hear over 350 other episodes of Games by Mom Power where we don't normally get political, but it had to be said. So go check all those out. We do movies. We do games. We do comic book storyline. We do all sorts of stuff. So check out our giant catalog of information or podcast episodes. You can't find what you're looking for on iTunes or Spotify. You can find everything on Podbean or some of the other podcatchers that go all the way back. There's a few. Pod, podcast Addict is another one, so definitely use those. I want to give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro courtesy of Helena at Hell Has Fear. You can follow her on TikTok. Also want to give a shout out to my buddy Bill Tucker, who did all the MCU movies with me and is on the show quite often. He his own podcast, A Gamer Looks at 40, where he interviews people and talks about how games affected their life in, in a basic way. But he does a lot of good interviews. Definitely go check him out. Puts a lot of work into his show. Like, is that we'll record one episode for an hour and he'll have he'll make five episodes out of our conversation and everyone else's conversation. He's a great guy. <laughs> so check him out. Uh, we also have a Patreon. As little as a dollar, you can vote in our Patreon polls and support the show. I don't know what it is right now because I haven't planned that far ahead, but definitely go check that out. <laughs> uh, I always plan with our episodes in the month. But and then please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. Oh, uh, and I yes. Before we end, I, I I just found the craziest coincidence. I'm sorry, I got to point this out before oh, we end. Fine. Carlia. Uh, who Alyssa had on her list? The voice actor is the same as your number one, Ellie ah, Van Hooten. As Ellie, they they share a voice <laughs> actor. That's cool. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I think though I did hear what who you had an honorable mention of Claire Redfield, Mike. Oh, uh, Blair did. Oh, Blair. Okay. 
you know, it's kind. I kind of think that is so fitting that one of my honorable mentions, because let's face it, Allison Court voiced Claire Redfield in the X Men series. She voiced Jubilee <laughs> in the cartoon. She's actually been very talented, and a lot of people do do so, will probably now associate her with with uh, Claire Redfield. Yeah. And we are going to try to bring you more top 10 episodes in the future. I don't know when, but it will be less than a year. I can tell you that. (laughs) There will be more coming. I think that's everything I need to say. It's almost two hours. So we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, all. Bye. Bye.